Hello, family, and welcome to Kingwood Methodist. In John 4.23, Jesus states that a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. As we gather at church and open God's Word, we are not just coming together for the sake of gathering, but also to learn the truth of God and how we can grow to love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. As we continually surrender our lives to the Word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit, we become the type of worshipers our Heavenly Father seeks. Let's dive in together. We're engaging in a new sermon series, woohoo! Um, and uh, and as our, our sermon series is called "Rooted and Grounded," and uh, I was uh, just I just got back from vacation. We went to uh, Yosemite National Park, which is uh, selfless plug. This that place is spectacular. If you've never been out to Yosemite, uh, I just encourage you. But I'm I'm like walking around, like just taking pictures of everything, and uh, Abby's. Uh, she's like, she's like, uh, are you like, are you just taking pictures for sermon illustrations? And I'm like, yes, they're everywhere, right? Uh, nature just uh, brings that stuff out. Uh, we got to uh, to share something pretty special. Um, about 18 years ago, we got engaged at Yosemite, and so we got to take our kids back to uh, the spot that we got engaged, and uh, got to hike along with them and tell them our story. Uh, got to reenact it. There were no photographers back then. You didn't take like these fancy like engagement on the spot pictures back then. But, uh, but we got to, to share that with our kiddos, uh, which was just a special kind of full circle moment uh, for us. Um, and so, uh, as, and then as we came back from vacation, uh, we got to celebrate the, the culmination of an engagement of uh, Blake DeLacer uh, and his beautiful bride, Michaela. Uh, they got married this weekend. Um, Blake has been faithfully serving uh, the students here in, uh, at KMC for, for many years, uh, for I think four years now, um, and just a, a, a beautiful testament to what a relationship ought to be, ought to look like, and he's been modeling that, and beautiful to see it come to culmination. So um, maybe don't text him today, maybe, maybe just shoot him a Facebook message or something. If he texts you back, uh, let me know, because he's supposed to have his phone off, so... Um, <clears throat> Uh, but it's just a beautiful thing that we got to, uh, got to share and, and, and celebrate with them uh, in that. And so I uh, just encourage you to keep them in your prayers as, as, uh, as they begin that journey of, um, of being married and what that looks like. So we are, we're diving into this sermon series. Uh, and uh, you'll notice that you may have gotten a uh, sheet of paper when you came in. Uh, on, the, on one side of that piece of paper, it has the scripture that we are kind of working through in this series. Uh, that is kind of the foundation for, for what we're talking about. This is a, a letter, uh, a, a prayer from Paul to the church uh, in Ephesus. And, uh, and this, is, uh, this, is, this sermon series is based on kind of what, who are we as uh, followers of Christ? Who are we as a church? What is the call uh, to faith, to be a community of faith look like? Um, <clears throat> because this, is, this passage is right at the end of, um, of the first half of Ephesians. Ephesians, the, the book is, um, <clears throat> it's set up 
to be a letter to the church that is combining, that's joining. It's Jews and Gentiles joining together under this um, identity of Christ. And Paul is really walking through with them to say, hey, like you guys are joined together. You guys are in this kind of new journey together. What does it mean for you to be a church, to be a community of faith together? And so the first three chapters, if you go and read through Ephesians, which I encourage you to do this week, um, the first three chapters are all about Paul um, setting the identity of the community of faith. So who are you in Christ? Let's, let's start there. Let's get, a, get that established. And then the chapters four through the end uh, really flesh that out. What does, it, what does that mean for how we live that out as followers of Christ? And this passage is kind of the hinge between who we are and what we do. It's a prayer uh, from Paul it's a kind of Paul letting us into the, his internal prayer life for his church, for the, for the church of Christ. And so when we read this passage, we, we see this, um, that this is, a, this is a calling and an urgency. There's urgency to it. There's, that he's really setting up their identity in Christ. Um, you also notice, well, you might not notice because it's only in the Greek. There's no punctuation in chapter, in verse 14 through 19. Uh, Paul is, is uh, notorious for these run-on sentences. My wife's an English teacher and she would cringe if this was turned in, if this prayer was turned in as a paper uh, across her desk because there is no punctuation. And, and what he's, what it kind of symbolizes is um, like a, a kid telling you a story of something crazy that happened and it, he, he's really excited and he, he doesn't stop and he doesn't pause. He just keeps going. He's getting really excited. He's getting out of breath because he can't figure out when to pause and when to stop and when to say something. So he just keeps going and going and you, you notice the inflection just keep raising in his voice. It's because he's so excited. There's an urgency that I, I just have to tell this. I have to communicate this to my people. And it's, a, it's actually a writing tech technique um, that they use in, in ancient uh, literature to, um, to emphasize the importance and the urgency of a message. And so, so hear these words as we read the word of God. If you have your Bibles or if you have your sheet or if you have eyes to see it on the screen, you will, um, you'll have an opportunity to read this text. So there's no excuse for not reading this text with me. <clears throat> Ephesians Chapter 3, starting in verse 14, says this. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with all power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep and is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Verse 20. And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine according to his power, that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. 
This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. <clears throat> Thanks be to God. So in this passage, we see, um, we see this, there's a hinge verse in this passage, a, a verse that really um, kind of, that Paul is really emphasizing as this is the centerpiece to all of our understanding of this, to, to how we can process through this information. This is known as one of the, probably the most dense theological prayer in Paul's writings. Uh, some, some would say second or third to Jesus' prayers, his prayer in John chapter 17 for, for the, the church and, uh, and the Lord's prayer. And then it comes this prayer. This prayer um, is so rich and so dense. We could, if we took like 10 weeks, we could walk through this verse and, and not, not fully grab all of the, the, the beautiful theology that's happening in the midst of it. But there's this hinge verse that, that I think Paul really wants us to know and to understand. <clears throat> and he says this in verse, uh, verse 17, he says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That he may dwell in your hearts through faith. Faith is the center point of this entire prayer for his church. Faith. When I think of faith, uh, I, I'll confess, I've struggled with the word faith. Because it, it means so many things to so many people. Faith feels like this, like I'm just going to step out in blind, blind trust and just hope that I land on something, right? It's this, it feels like this, um, this, this thing that you can't really like comprehend, you can't grasp, you can't uh, wrap your head around it. And it just feels like a word that we throw out in the church and just expect that everybody knows what it means, but we don't really ever describe faith. Like you just got to have faith. Well, what, what does that even mean? You just got to have faith. And so uh, Paul's theology on faith is really rich. It's really dense. And um, one of the things that he emphasizes is this phrase, through faith. And I think that's really important for us. Through faith. We see it earlier in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2. You are saved by grace through faith. Not of your own works, so that no man can boast. Not of your own doing, but you are saved by grace through faith. When we were in Yosemite, um, you, uh, you come up to this, you're like driving, and then everybody tells you that Yosemite is so beautiful, and it, and it is. And then you drive up to this tunnel. You show that beginning of that video. Uh, you drive up to this tunnel, and you enter in. And I think faith is oftentimes a lot like this tunnel. You, uh, you have expectations for what it ought to be, and then you enter into this journey, this, this through faith. And I believe that, that faith um, is really the doorway in which we um, get to experience the riches of God's goodness and of his grace. It is through faith that we get to understand it and see the beauty of what it is. But, but faith is it's kind of a journey. Through faith is kind of a slog. Through faith doesn't always look like the, the riches and the, the glory and the beauty of what we expect it to be, the, what we've been told that it will be. And sometimes we just, we just enter into it not really knowing what to expect and we just got to follow the person who's let us in. 
follow that, that, that journey and follow them step after step. And we're like, it, like, when is the good part coming? Through faith. And then we finally get to kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel and we see we see when we finally make it through faith, through this door, we see the riches of his kingdom. We get to finally see the goodness, but it's only through faith. The first thing that this passage teaches us is that faith is a doorway to the riches of God. You see, If you want to experience the fullness of God, it is only through faith that you will experience that. This passage that we see in in, uh, verse 17, it says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. It is only through faith that that the Holy Spirit indwells within us, that we experience the, the filling of the Spirit. It's only through faith. It is only through faith that we experience the, the fullness of the grace of God, that we experience the forgiveness of sin, we, for, we experience the, the filling of God's grace in our lives. It is through faith that we can fully understand the indwelling of the Spirit. Faith is the avenue in which we experience the presence of God. It is through faith that we can actually understand who Jesus is, a living, alive, active, and moving Jesus that actually changes our lives. When we get outside of our own ability and our own self-sustaining faith and step into a faith that, that is beyond our ability, that's when we begin to experience God moving in our lives. As a church, we are, uh, we're engaging on this, this idea of what it means for us to be a community of faith. Uh, we're, we're sharing a little bit today on the back of that sheet that you got is um, just kind of a, a vision and mission statement um, of our church, just a refreshed understanding of who we are. You'll see um, discipleship characteristics on the back of that sheet. If you don't have one of those sheets, I'd encourage you to grab one on the way out and just kind of process through that and kind of read through that. But we're going to be voting on this as a church at a church conference later in the year uh, for what it means. There, there's nothing substantially different about it than, than who, who we have been for, for the, the last uh, 50 years. But uh, Kind of in this new season as a church, we're kind of looking at what does it mean for us to be, uh, to really wrap our arms around this idea of being a community of faith. I want to read the, the vision statement here for us. It says, we are a community of faith that first and foremost, the center of our identity, at the center of the identity of those who, who Paul is, is speaking to in the church of Ephesus, is that they would be a community that faith is at the center that trust in God, that putting, putting our, ourselves in God, that a journey that we are all on together through faith so that we might experience the goodness and the fullness of God in community. We are a community of faith that invites all people to experience Jesus's life-changing love that equips them to be and to make disciples who go out in faith to transform the world. That's who we are that we are a community of faith who welcomes, who invites people in 
to experience the, the love of God that equips people so that they might not just be disciples of Christ, but make disciples of Christ um, that, are, that are pursuing faith as well. So first and foremost, faith is a doorway to the riches and the goodness and the grace of God. The second thing that we understand through our text today is that, uh, that a community of faith of faithful disciples is our identity. A community of, of being a faithful uh, group of disciples is uh, essential to who we are. We are intentionally different than the rest of the world, than the rest of community gatherings and social clubs. If we are not different than those social clubs, this is not a, a country club where, uh, you, where the, when the offering basket comes around, you pay your fee and then you get special privilege and priority. You get special seating or uh, you get priority prayer in heaven or uh, you get this, uh, these special blessings that will happen if you put it into the, into the basket and pay your fee. We're not a country club, but we are a community of faith. And what we believe in a community of faith is that, that you are not just participants of worship. You're not just spectators of worship, but that you bring specific gifts into the space. That when you sit in Sunday school and you've been interacting with the Holy Spirit all week and you, you hear something that is said and you, you speak what God is, is speaking into your life, that that might be the exact thing that that person needed that morning. And you are a, a minister of, of the grace of God through your faith. If we are a faith community, that what you bring to the table here on Sunday morning your presence here on Sunday morning enables the Holy Spirit to work through you to change someone else's life. My vi our vision for what this space would be is that, that when you come in here, that God might radically move through you in such a way that it, it totally changes the way that we do worship on Sunday morning. Uh, my, one of my, Ryan and I were talking, uh, one of my hopes and dreams for this next semester is that, um, that there's some Sunday morning that the Holy Spirit works and moves through somebody in this congregation to the point where uh, I just say, I'm not preaching today. <laughs> where I, I, I step back and say, the Holy Spirit's moving in this space and is, it has actively moved through one of y'all in such a way that, that it's it is ministering to this whole community and that, that becomes something that, that we live into as an identity in this place. That we are a community of faith and that you have gifts to bring to the table that might dramatically impact and alter someone's life. This is, this is not something to be consumed. A community of faith is not a, not a, a product to be consumed, but it is a, is a collective of gifts that changed the world around us. I love this, this quote by C.S. Lewis. He says, the church exists for nothing else but to draw men and women into Christ, to make them little Christs. I love that word, to make them little Christs. If they are not doing that, then all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, and even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. That is at the center of the identity of a community of faith. That, that we are here to make disciples who look like Christ. If you go back to that vision statement, to be 
that we are a community of faith that invites people to experience Jesus's life-changing love. It's not, it's not, it's not me as a pastor. It's not uh, our doing that changes someone's life. It is the, the love of God that they experience when they come in contact with the Holy Spirit, when they begin to walk through faith and they get to experience the indwelling of the Spirit. It changes them and equips, and then our role is to equip them to be disciples who make disciples, who go out in faith to transform the world. The third thing that we see in our text in uh, 17 through 19 is that uh, being a community of faith begins with being individuals of faith. Like we as a, as a body of Christ can only go as far as the, the individual members of the body of Christ are willing to go. Like we're not going to see this radical transformation of the world just because the pastors are preaching a, a dynamic message. We're going to see a radical transformation of the world when the body of Christ is willing to go through faith and experience the riches of God and, and, and begin to, to be that to the world. That's when we'll see radical transformation in the world. Not because the, the music is great and the, the preacher's good and the communion bread tastes good. We as a church will only go as far as, as us as individuals are willing to go in our spiritual development, in our spiritual faith, in our identity as we walk through faith. I love what, uh, what N.T. Wright says. He says that faith is not believing in spite of the evidence of obeying uh, but uh, in spite of the evidence, but it is obeying in spite of the consequences. You see, as followers of Christ, faith is not, is not just blindly believing because uh, we don't have evidence. And so if we don't have evidence for something, we just believe it and that's faith. It's saying, I trust in this path and I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow this path regardless of what the consequences that that means in my life. That is the journey through faith. It doesn't always look like the end. It doesn't always look like the riches of God, but we, we step in in obedience, regardless of the consequences, in spite of the consequences even. In chapter, in, in that, that same passage in, in 17, we see that the second half of what he's, what Paul is leading uh, his disciples to, leading the church to. He says, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have the power that you as, as the church, you as the body of Christ may have power to change the world. Rooted and established in love. That, that, that word, rooted, would have brought back a ton of imagery for the first century Christian. It would have taken them all the way back to the Psalms, this, this familiar passage in Psalm chapter one where, uh, where David is, is laying out. He says, blessed is the one who does not walk in the step of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or take a seat in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, it prospers. 
It's this, this image of, of our roots that you may be rooted and grounded in faith, these roots that are going deep into the springs of life. This call to uh, a rooted and grounded faith, uh, the immediate thing they would have picked up is that that requires me to delight in the law of the Lord, to meditate on the law day and night. If we are to be a community of faith, it, it means that we, we must start with the word of God, that that must be um, vibrant to us, that it, that it is a, a part of our, our daily and active uh, faith uh, of us growing and understanding and knowing the knowledge of who God is. The, the prophets then elaborated on this, this image of the, of the roots of the, the plant in, uh, in Jeremiah as he's speaking to the Israelite people who have wandered, some who have wandered from, from Christ and some who have remained faithful to Christ or to, to God in, in a season of exile. He says this in Jeremiah chapter 17, starting in verse five. He says, this is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert in the salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends its roots out by the stream. It doesn't fear when, it come, when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. You see, if we are to be a community of faith, if we are to be rooted and grounded in Christ, it requires us first and foremost to be, um, to be studiers of the word. It requires for, for the, the, the word of God to be a source for us. Blessed is the one who meditates on the, on the law day and night. And then secondly, from the Jeremiah text, it requires that we trust in the Lord and that our confidence is in him and not ourselves. I wanna close with this. Um, faith is not blindly believing. Faith is first and, for, and foremost our obedience to God. If you're in the middle of a season where, um, where you've lacked faith, where you feel like everything has just kind of been blah, I encourage you to come back to the stream. If, uh, if your definition of faith has not changed you, if you've been living under a definition of faith that has not changed you, if your faith has not changed you, if following Jesus is not leading to change in your character, change in your outlook, change in your perspective on the world, then you may be following a dead Jesus. 
You may be following a Jesus that that isn't alive and active, that isn't able to do immeasurably more like verse 20 says. That isn't capable of changing your circumstance, that isn't capable of, of being active and moving in your life, that isn't capable of giving you power. Maybe the land in which you've placed your roots is an uninhabited salt land. And today, I want to call you back to the river of faith, to the journey of faith that we as a community of Christ are called to walk with you in. We are called as a community to bring one another back to the rivers of faith so that we might experience the fullness of God. To the glory, to the glory of God as verse 21 speaks. We'll talk more about that next week. But I wanna invite you as a church, if your faith has been lacking, as we come to the table in in a few minutes, as we enter into worship once again, I want you to take a moment just to confess that to God. As we sing this next song, I want you to confess. God, my faith has not been what, what, I, what I hope it to, to be. God, would you, would you come alive in me? Would you help me to take a step inside that tunnel so that I might experience the riches and the goodness of who you are?